Yo, my friend, welcome to another episode of Optimize Your Body podcast, and let's get stuck straight in today, right? So I wanted to talk about what is the best diet for weight loss, what is the best diet in general, right? Because it's overall health and weight loss, they're both related. Now, I don't like using the word diet, but let's just use it for now, right? Or what's the best way of eating, however you want to say it, right? Ultimately, we all know that, you know, there's so much information out there, and nutrition is almost becoming like, a religion nowadays, right? It's like, you know, obviously it's great because we've got all the information out there, but at the same time, it can get really conflicting and overwhelming, right? Because there's so much conflicting information out there, basically, right? So I consider myself to be, or I like to think I'm black belt level with this stuff, right? When it comes to nutrition, eating intuitively, being in tune with my body and eating to ensure that I perform feel and of course look at my best right so it hasn't happened overnight though just to give you you know a bit of context and a bit of detail cut a long story short i you know i mentioned about when i started competing in 2013 as a bodybuilder got to the pro level you know as a physique or fitness model competitor whatever you want to call it and up until that point that actually got to a good level in terms of the way i was eating i was eating predominantly whole foods obviously as a kid like everyone else grew up eating processed foods right cereal white bread all the rest of it, right? Um, like most people in Westernized world. And then, you know, it's funny because we don't realize, but we're actually then uh, programmed to eat processed foods, right? You know, it's normal to us to eat cereal and stuff like that. And ultimately, we all know that refined sugars, white bread, cereal, those kind of things, uh, they're not going to be ideal. It's not to say there's any bad or good foods, but ultimately, they're processed, right? And as I got older, obviously, I got to a point where I just started eating more whole foods, more good quality animal-based sources and, you know, plant-based foods or whatever, just eating more whole foods, real food as opposed to processed foods. And I actually got to a decent level prior to competing when I was like, what, 26, 2013? Jumped on stage. Obviously, as I mentioned before, then I developed the binge eating disorder. So there is a really dark side to that world, right? Which you don't always necessarily hear about. You see people's like shredded abs on Instagram or whatever, but you don't really hear about the eating disorders and the body dysmorphia, all that kind of stuff. And a lot of that stuff I dealt with, right? So got to a good point, then started competing, then started binging for about two years. I, even when I wasn't competing, like off, off season, as you'd like to call it, I would eat well, say Monday to Thursday or Monday to Friday. If I was lucky, the weekend would come and I would just hit the off button. So I would eat Friday night, I might have a burger and chips. Then I would go, oh, screw it. I might as well have some chocolate afterwards. Then I would get carried away. Next day, I would punish myself in the gym. So I had a poor relationship with training as well. And I would punish myself the next day in the gym whenever I kind of binged or overate. And that's just a really vicious cycle. So that's where I was at. But anyway, fast forward after that, and I eventually managed to just level up and thankfully, you know, get over that, get over the binge eating disorder and not only get over it, get myself to a whole new level. And I'm thankful now because now it enables me to, you know, connect with my clients better and actually relate to my clients better in terms of when people struggle with overeating or having a poor relationship with food. And ultimately, I've said this before, but, you know, your relationship with food really says more about your relationship with yourself than it does with anything else. Because ultimately, emotional eating, we're eating based on how we feel, right? So then it becomes a vicious cycle and you can go down a slippery slope of starts off by eating when you're bored or you're stressed. And then sometimes we can just kind of take it really, really far. And obviously we are facing an obesity epidemic, right? So more people are sick, chronic illness and obese than any other time in human history. So there's something going on there, right? And a lot of that is related to ultra processed foods, making us overeat, right? 
So ultra processed foods are actually designed to make us overeat. In fact, I think I might've mentioned this before, but there was actually a study done on this, right? I think it was last year, maybe the year before that, or maybe a few years back. Anyway, basically long story short, again, it was 500 calories more a day people were eating when they had. So they had two groups, one group were eating whole foods, the other group was eating ultra processed foods. They had them eating the same macros and calories, right? The same macros, sorry. But they basically said, right, you've got unlimited access to ultra processed foods. Sorry, ignore the calories and macros thing, right? I'm just going to make it basically, you know, more simplified. Two groups, one group basically overate the ultra processed food, overate by 500 calories a day, right? And the group he have an unlimited access to whole foods. They obviously ate 500 calories less than the people in the ultra processed food group, right? And then it was a cross study. So they crossed the groups over just to make sure there wasn't much individual stuff going on. And pretty much the same thing happens. So really eating ultra processed foods, make us eat, let's just say on average, 500 calories more a day in comparison to whole foods. That's three and a half thousand calories over the space of a week, which works out like give or take about a pound of fat a week. You know, you could gain by eating all ultra processed foods, right? So just give you a bit of context. So always comes down to that, uh, the fundamentals when it comes to what is the best diet for weight loss and overall health. And basically the way I eat now anyway, so what I was saying then is I used to binge eat, then I started eating more real foods, just started eating more, you know, whole foods, basically eating more protein coming from animal sources instead of protein bars and shakes, and then just eating more vegetables, uh, more fruit, basically more whole foods, more volume in terms of obviously vegetables, high volume, low in calories. And then I was having more protein as well. And obviously I just naturally started eating more whole foods over time. Wasn't easy, didn't happen overnight. But where I'm at now is I eat an animal-based diet. So up until about two years ago, I switched over to an animal-based diet. So certain plants contain defense chemicals, um, which can potentially be toxic. So for me, I was getting lots of gut issues up until about two years ago. And it was frustrating me. Things like cruciferous vegetables, like broccoli, cauliflower, kale, which are quote unquote supposed to be healthy. Really, they can be, but for me, they weren't working. I was getting gut issues. And then when I stripped away you know, those foods and even potatoes, to be honest, I don't even eat potatoes nowadays because they just give me a bad gut. And again, that's not to demonize potatoes and vegetables. If they're okay and you seem to do well with them, continue eating them. But for me, eating an animal-based diet, basically eating predominantly meat and fruit um, has been life-changing for me. Uh, my gut's the best it's been, you know, my performance in the gym, uh, even muscle retention as well, mental clarity, you know, even my skin's improved. So everything's leveled up for me. Um, and if you want to check out more about the carnivore diet and stuff like that and the animal-based way of eating, um, check out the episode with the goat. I call him the goat, Dr. Sean Baker. He's the main carnivore guy. I had him on episode one uh, of season two, so the pre previous season, episode one. So go and check that one out if you haven't already. So yeah, that's where I'm at now. But going back to what I was going to talk about in terms of the best way to eat, it all comes down to adherence, right? So ultimately, studies show this, right? The best way of eating or the best, I hate using the word diet, but let's just use it today for argument's sake. The best diet is going to be the one you can stick to, right? Or the easiest one, the one which is the easiest for you to basically stick to and not even stick into a particular diet, but the one you can be more consistent with. So whichever one enables you, for example, to not overeat, right? And at the same time, though, have that flexibility where if you want to eat certain foods or you want to go out and socialize or you want to have a bit of ice cream or whatever, you can still factor that in and still stay on track and not feel like you're restricted, right? So 
whatever you can adhere to is going to be the best diet for you, right? So you can talk about all these different types of, we talked about time-restricted eating, right? On a previous episode, um, I've talked about intermittent fasting. Uh, you've got keto, by the way, the keto diet was just for your information. The keto diet was initially brought in for medical, uh, certain medical conditions, by the way. It was never brought in as a means of fat loss or anything else. It was brought in for, to treat certain medical conditions. And you've got the vegan diet, you've got the carnival, which I just talked about, the paleo, we can keep going down the list. Um, but really, you know, if you ask me, you know, when it comes to looking at the, the way the paleo diet is structured, it's, it's all whole foods is eating what we evolved to eat, right? It, in hunter-gatherer times, basically animals and certain plants, right? Long story short, um, obviously it's, it's, it's devoid of, of gluten and, and dairy, I believe. Um, so, you know, as far as diets go, I would say, you know, animal-based or paleo is probably going to be the best really if I, if I had to pick but again i'm not going to tell you to pick one because ultimately it's going to be what you can stick to so the main thing here as well is protein right so there's loads of research done on this as well but basically consistently hitting protein so with my clients for clients for example i'm always meeting them where they at right obviously with my online transformation program i help people a lot with nutrition lifestyle mindset and training but especially nutrition and i meet them where they're at so going back to what i said it's all about sustainability so it's like i'm not going to make too many changes the key thing is to make one or two small changes at a time stick to it right and then be consistent until it becomes cemented in as a habit right so with food for example it's like right protein a lot of people are grossly under eating protein a recent study was done on this right where it was a one-year study i believe and one group were eating 30 percent protein right so their total calories were like 30 percent protein so that's like adequate protein, really, right? If you want to go high protein, high protein is more like 40% or 50% of your total calories, right? Anyway, the other group was only eating 15% protein of their total calories, right? And the, the, the group that were eating more protein, 30%, resulted in more weight loss, uh, better triglyceride levels and blood lipids, um, better levels of HDL cholesterol, which is known as the quote-unquote good type of cholesterol, but that's another conversation because LDL is not all bad. Don't want to go too much into that, but long story short, they were healthier, they had better blood markers, and they actually lost more weight, right? Now, if you can take away that simple thing from this podcast, right, consistently having a high-protein diet is an absolute game-changer, um, and really, that's going to be one of the most fundamental things, because there's a few things here, right, when it comes to diet and weight loss. People who eat high-protein, obviously, is going to blunt your appetite more, right? So eating more protein consistently is going to blunt your appetite more, first and foremost, right? So that's one of the biggest benefits when it comes to weight loss. The second thing is then, obviously, it is going to, you're going to get more nutrients in through eating real food, protein. So eggs, you know, beef, for example, and meat, milk, if you can, I can't tolerate dairy, unfortunately, if you could eat, if you could uh, consume full-fat organic milk, they're the most, and, and obviously, let's not even talk about animal organs, right? Like beef liver, beef liver is the most nutrient dense food you can eat. But those things I just listed are the most nutrient dense sources of food. And they have the most bioavailable nutrients in them as well, and protein as well, in terms of the biological value of protein of the protein in those foods. So consuming those foods, you're going to get more nutrients in as well and uh, more nourishment for your body. And also eating a high protein diet uh, is going to speed your metabolism up a bit as well, because protein takes up a lot of energy to digest. So it has a high thermic effect, which means your body has to work really hard to digest protein. So cut a long story short, having high protein consistently. So from, you know, and, and then obviously we can talk about 
a lot of the stuff which has come out, people saying that, you know, in certain research showing that, you know, high protein diets can be bad for your health or as bad as smoking or, you know, can cause certain sorts of cancer. From what I've seen, there's no direct link from what I've seen in terms of having a high, high protein diet causing any ailments because there's so many individual variances that they cannot tease out, right? In, in these studies, that's the only problem. It's like, you know, context is key. Basically, when they do these this research, they don't look into other factors, right? So it's rare to find people who are having a high-protein diet, right, who are just literally eating grass-fed beef, for example, right, and good-quality whole foods, 100% whole foods, you know, training consistently and diet in their sleeping, living a healthy life. They've got good relationships. It's rare to find people who are, like, perfectly healthy. There's obviously a lot of people out there, right? But people like myself who live like I live, probably in the 1% of people or one to 3% of people. And I eat super high protein and I'm the best I've ever been. So there's nothing to show that high protein by itself is going to be a bad thing. In fact, all the research shows to the fact that actually having more protein is going to make you metabolically more healthier. Metabolic health, in other words, being able to manage your weight, uh, not carrying excess body fat around your internal organs, right? So, you know, around your stomach, for example, it's the most important thing. And metabolism is very complex. I'm not going to go too deep into that conversation, um, but yeah, having high protein, again, research shows this, having high protein from good quality animal sources is going to be one of the best things you can do. If you're a vegan listening to this, if you're, you know, you don't eat any meat or you're vegetarian and obviously supplementing with a protein powder, uh, good quality protein powder is going to be essential most likely for you. Um, but even people who do eat meat, to be honest, having a good quality uh, protein powder to make sure you can hit your protein target is going to be uh, paramount, right? Because it's very hard. It's actually very challenging. For example, just to give you some context in terms of how much protein I eat and how much you need. Basically, I know most of my audience is in America. So having, you know, one gram of protein per pound of body weight is going to be ideal, right? So research shows there's not really that much benefit in having any more than that. So if you're a woman and you're an American, listen to this, right? And you weigh 140 pounds, let's say, you know, eating 140 grams of protein a day is probably going to be ideal for you. You can get away with like 0.7 or 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. But ideally, if you can aim for one gram per pound, that's a lot of protein though, right? 140 grams of protein, that's a lot. That's like, you know, quite a lot of meat to eat in one day. So it's challenging to do. Um, obviously, people in Australia and UK, that works out like 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of your body weight, right? So for me, I eat around about 1.5 grams of protein per pound of my body weight, or in kilos, that would be 3.3 grams of protein per kilo of my body weight. That's a lot of meat. So in two meals, I have a massive amount of meat, basically, right? Real simple. I have my egg yolks as well. I don't have any protein powder. I get it all in through meat. But again, I'm in the, the minority of people who can happily eat that much meat in each meal. Um, but it's a challenging thing to do for most people, right? So that's what you want to be aiming for when it comes to the best diet for fat loss. Really, if you can consistently hit that amount of protein. So let's say if you aim for one gram of protein per pound of body weight or 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of your body weight, boom. It's quite hard to go wrong, especially if you're getting that protein through mainly real food. So meat, yeah, eggs, like I say, dairy, if you can tolerate it, right? And then a protein shaker's backup if you're struggling to hit that. It's hard to go wrong, right? So anyway, just to summarize this, right? The best diet for you or the best way of eating is going to be the one you can stick to. With my clients, clients who get the best life-changing results in terms of their physique and just getting a game-changing transformation are the clients that basically, A, 
obviously apply the discipline, right? And implement what I tell them to do, right? Not perfect. They, they're at least 80% consistent. I'm a client who get game-changing results. They're at least 80 to 90% consistent with whatever goal or habits I set them, right? Uh, but they also have, they apply the discipline, right? 80% of the time minimum. And they also have a flexible approach, okay? So they give themselves permission to slip up from time to time. They allow themselves to have flexibility with diets, okay? So if they fancy having some of their favorite foods, they will do that, right? But they will kind of pre-plan. I talked about this on the last episode. They'll plan ahead. So if on the weekend, they've got lots of social events coming up, what they might do is they might kind of cut back a little bit in the week, maybe bank up some extra calories or just tighten things up in the week in terms of just eating more whole foods. And then when the weekend comes, they've got more wiggle room. So they pre-plan a little, um, but they give themselves flexibility and ultimately, they trust the process, right? And they stick to the fundamentals. It's not really that pretty, to be honest, when it comes to getting in shape. A lot of the time, just doing pretty boring stuff consistently, right? Like consistently hitting your protein target, right? All the stuff I just talked about. So, and on that note as well, you know, when it comes to, you know, investing in yourself and having a good coach, really, if you're someone who's struggling to get to the next level, right? Or you're someone who is in a position where, maybe for years, you've just been kind of stuck and not really making much progress. Or if you're someone that feels like you're constantly spinning your wheels, and you maybe you struggle with yo-yo dieting, and you struggle really to be consistent, and it might be an idea to look into getting a coach, you know what I mean? Because I've always invested in myself. And ultimately, by investing in a good coach, even if it's that that's just like a personal trainer, it might just be a personal trainer to help you with the training. But if it's like leveling up nutrition, having some guidance with that, and having someone help you change behaviors and be able to dial things in and educate yourself and be able to implement the right things without having to have all that guesswork and putting all that time and energy into it, which you could be putting into other areas of your life. Um, it's always going to be a good investment, but ultimately you're going to get so much value from these uh, podcasts. Anyway, you're going to get all the information you need, but obviously information ain't shit without implementation. So remember that, right? You know, if you can implement one thing from these podcasts or take one or two things away and have like a bit of a light bulb moment or something that resonates with you that you can potentially implement or take away, then obviously that could be game changing, right? So yeah, I'm going to wrap that up there, right? So again, just to summarize, adherence is key. Research shows that the easiest thing that you can stick to when it comes to how you eat is going to be the most effective and the most sustainable and therefore is going to enable people to lose weight and keep it off. Because when we talk about weight loss, like I said, it's not a weight loss issue that we're facing. It's actually people being able to keep the weight off, right? Because, you know, like I said last time, just to summarize, you know, 50% of people gain all the weight back they lost within a year and 85 to 90% of people, if not more, gain all the weight back they lost within two to three years, right? And all, a lot of that comes down to the behaviors and to other factors as well, which I won't go too deep into, which I covered on the time-restricted eating episode, episode four, if you haven't listened to that. So yes, adherence is key, okay? sustainability is key. So make sure you've got flexibility and you're not being too restrictive. And as I say, if you strip everything back, if you can consistently lift weights, but do it properly. So you're following a proper training program. Okay. So you're getting bang for your buck. You're not just doing random workouts. You're actually following a proper training program, which is geared towards the results you want and your training history and everything else. And then combined with that, if you're consistently hitting, let's say one gram of protein per pound of body weight or 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of your body weight consistently, okay, which very hard to do. You might want to track that for a few weeks. You might want to track your protein to make sure you're actually hitting that because otherwise you're just guessing, right? For most people, it's hard to hit that amount. 
But if you can basically do those two things consistently, right, just you'll be blown away by the kind of results you can get. You know what I mean? So with that, like I said before, if you're listening back to this, um, you know, feel free to tag me. If there's anything that you liked about this episode or if you found it valuable, please just share it on your story. Tag me so I can see where you're at in the world at Martin Silver Fitness or feel free to DM me on Instagram is where I do most of my stuff. So DM me on Instagram. I'd love to uh, connect with you at Martin Silver Fitness. And make sure you follow me on there as well. And I'm going to sign out, ladies and gents. Thanks for joining me.